each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to discuss how to talk about money with your kids. My guest is Jeff Swartz, uh, the Executive Director of Consolidated Credit. Before I tell you all about Jeff, um, let's talk about the value of planning ahead. Partnering with an advisor to create a financial security plan can help you stop worrying about money and start living the life you want. Households with a plan feel more satisfied with their current financial situation, are more comfortable with their current debt, and feel more confident that they will have enough money to retire comfortably. They're also more able to enjoy annual vacations and treat themselves to the occasional splurge. Getting started requires us to talk about money. What are you waiting for? I offer a half-hour, totally confidential consultation at no cost with no obligation. Send me an email at lynn at stepright.ca and we'll set up a time to chat. That's lynn, L-Y-N-N, at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. As life continues to get more complicated, it's imperative that we have all of the difficult conversations. Jeff Swartz is here to simplify the key discussions we need to have with our kids, from children to young adults, about money. Jeff Swartz is a dedicated professional focused on assisting individuals and families in need. He has a broad range of experience in areas of nonprofit strategy, market development, and business operations. He is responsible for all activities related to the operation and manages all credit counseling, creditor relations, and personal finance educational endeavors. As well as being named the Executive Director of Consolidated Credit, Mr. Swartz is also the President and Co-Founder of the nonprofit registered charity Jacob's Ladder. The Canadian Foundation for Control of Neurodegenerative Disease in Toronto and is a director of Project Give Back, a passion-based organization teaching children how to give back within their community. His talent and passion have brought over 150 business and community leaders to further the objectives of the foundation and has raised in excess of $1.2 million for research and outreach programs. The foundation has funded research studies in Canada and the United States to help discover and develop, diagnose, therapies and screening of rare neurogenetic diseases. He has initiated and funded an outreach program in combination with three other nonprofit groups to educate medical personnel and the public about rare genetic diseases and the tests that are available. As well as being a community and business leader with over 17 years of experience, Mr. Swartz also holds a Master of Business Administration from the University of Miami in Florida, as well as a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Western Ontario, and is a Certified Commercial Investment Member designation, and is a previous winner of the Kauffman Community Award from the Kauffman Foundation. Mr. Swartz is married with three children. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much, Lynn. 
And thank you for the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, we've chosen a topic of talking about money. Why do we all have such a difficult time um, expressing ourselves about money? You know, that that's an interesting question. Um, and and I, I go back to my childhood where money was a bit of a taboo topic in our house. Uh, it was just that... My dad handled the money, and um, and, and we, we grew up, uh, I wouldn't say it was affluent, but we were very comfortable. Um, and from that perspective, we really just didn't have a lot of conversation about money. And I think part of the problem is, especially in Canada, it exposes some sort of vulnerability in people. Everybody likes to portray that they're in control of their money, is something as simple and as common as money, but at the end of the day, debt affects everyone. And I think that by talking about it, we're potentially opening ourselves up to some scrutiny, which we may not be comfortable about. Mm-hmm. And what kind of problems do you think that we cause ourselves when we don't want to talk about money? Well, I, I think we're putting ourselves into a, a tough position, and we may make decisions that are not ultimately the best for us in the short and long term. And those decisions will cost us, ultimately. Um, I, just one of those things that, that popped up in the press, probably, it was a few years ago now, and I know we participated in this, but it was a paper about how Canadians ranked at the top of the list when it came to feeling comfortable about asking friends and family for money or, or, when they're, or help when they're in a, a struggling situation as it relates to their finances. And I said, well, boy, isn't, isn't that the case? Uh, and, and I'm looking at it and I'm saying that, that, that couldn't be more true. I mean, the easiest way for us to get out of a, a financial bind uh, at the least cost way would be to talk to friends and family about the situation we're in. But it appears that our ego or pride get in the way, and, and much to what, the way you opened up, mm-hmm. we, we have a difficult time talking about money. And as a result, we're more apt to go somewhere like a payday loan company to solve our short-term <laughs> needs with respect to money than, rather than going to friends and family. And and that's not common across the world. Um, in some of the developing countries, I mean, it, it's more common that you kind of go to the villagers and, and, and talk about your issues there and, and deal with it in that realm as opposed to uh, what we do in Canada and go to our nearest corner payday loan place. Right, right, yes. So how can we begin to chip away at that um, that traditional reluctance um, and that tradition that says that talking about money is not polite? Well, uh, you know, I think if I had to take a step back and look where we were when I grew up and, and, and years after, I, I'd suggest to you that talking about money uh, amongst other topics would be considered impolite. Uh, but I think that that is changing. I think we're seeing a bit of a, a groundswell in the media and everywhere else where people are talking more about money and potentially the lack of financial literacy that they have in their own lives. And as a result, I think with this continued messaging, uh, I know recently there was an announcement that there's a, a head in Canada um, for financial literacy. And I think with more of the coverage, more of what you and I are talking about now, and as people listen and, and take note, that you know it's not such a bad thing to talk about 
your personal finances because maybe something can come out of it. Maybe there's some learnings. Maybe there's some resources that we can utilize in our personal lives that will put us ahead of the game or potentially make better financial decisions. So bring it to light. Maybe we see it in the schools. I know at Consolidated, we're constantly working with corporations and social services to bring in workshops. Now, I mean, when we're bringing in a workshop, we're, it's it's not typically one-on-one. So that means we've got a group of people in one area that are potentially going to talk about their personal finances in a bit of an open forum. So this is all mm-hmm. good stuff because it's not happening behind closed doors. It's it's more of an open forum, and people are realizing that you know they're not alone in this. Uh, their neighbors, their coworkers, their friends are ex- experiencing the same sort of difficulties that they are. And I think the more that we do of that, the more learning is going to come from it and better financial decisions are going to be made. And maybe it won't yeah. be such a taboo topic. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, so what age should we begin to talk to kids about money? You know, this is uh, this is one of my favorite topics because in in running through uh, in developing consolidated credit, uh, I, I've got three kids and, and and they're now at the age where I've started kind of at the beginning with each of them and we've kind of honed down what what's good to talk about when and how they're mm. picking up on it and and, and it's it's funny because each of my children they've got different personalities so they handle the topics in different ways but i think you'd be surprised at how early you can start i mean you can start talking about these things um, anywhere from kind of like three to five years old I, i'd suggest that three is probably on the young side mm-hmm. um, but i mean as, as early as five years old People or children are starting to see and, and look at the actions that you take in a store and when you go to a, cash re- a cashier to cash out at a grocery store. Um, they're seeing money, uh, potentially even playing with play money. And all these are opportunities, potential learning opportunities. So it's not just about the play, but the potential learning opportunities that we can talk to our children about. And I, I think that while they're they're at the young age and we do have their attention, this is a potentially fantastic time to start sharing some lessons around uh, talking about money. But I think probably the big concern here is that many of us don't know how to talk to our children about money. And perhaps it goes back to when we were kids, when our parents really didn't spend a lot of time talking to us about money, and it, it certainly wasn't mm-hmm. something that was uh, readily available in school. Right. So if our parents didn't talk to us, that you know, that in turn means we don't know how to talk to our kids and and the cycle continues. It becomes a, a perpetual cycle whereby we're not helping other people and you know, unfortunately, uh at Consolidated Credit, we see people calling us and one of their first referrals after they've talked to us and they've felt the relief of understanding the situation and how to get out of their situation, one of their referrals is often their children or their parents. So so this is not something that's fictitious. This is actually happening whereby I recognize that my offspring are, are are going through the same issues that I am and it's creating all sorts of stress in their family. Perhaps you can help them out too. So 
I think our conversation today is a really good opportunity to kind of dispel some of the myths about money and potentially provide some opportunity and some learnings around how to talk to people within your own family about money and what they need to do. Yes, and and I think it's interesting that that you talk about um, that talking will reduce stress rather than, like, we aren't going to cause our children stress by talking to them, but it's often by not talking that we create stress. Yeah, they're, they're, go ahead, sorry. No, that's fine. You you go ahead. Well, and and they, they notice things. Um, our children, like, no matter what the issue is, they notice things about us. So if we're under some sort of stress, they're going to pick up on that. And if you go behind a room, a, a closed door and cry or, or get upset about the situation that you're in because you don't want them to see it, it's not like they don't know that something's going on and it becomes even more of an enigma because they've been shut out of the whole process. So it's important to involve them in decisions and involve them in life's ups and downs so that it doesn't become a taboo and, and they learn how to deal with it. And often they become part of the solution too. So it's not just about teaching them about how to better manage their money as they grow up. But even when you're going through it, they can become part of the solution. And, and we'll, we'll talk about different ways how to make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that we haven't alluded to, and we've talked about the emotional side is, and this is a challenge kind of going forward, but is using cash is something that's almost going by the wayside, but it's an integral part of the learning process. Uh, mm. we are, we're all often using our debit cards or our credit cards to pay for things, or even doing it electronically where they don't get, all they see is a press of a button. Um, right. This kind of removes some of the physical aspect of the learning, and, and especially as we're teaching people, they do need that physical aspect. They knew, do need to understand that spending money, it's a physical thing where it's taking from one and giving to another. Right. So and that needs to be part of the learning process. Well, and that it's and and that it is a limited resource too, right? <laughs> you you can't just keep pressing the button. You know, you you exactly. have that dollar. If you have the dollar and you can see the dollar being shared, you know there was only one. Right? But but uh, yeah, the electronic um I hadn't thought about that, but it does uh it does provide some new challenges as well. It's time for us to go to break already. Um, This is a a great topic, and I'm really looking forward to learning more after this break. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at a to zen.fm. 
You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. The show today uh, is about talking about money with our kids. I'm joined with Jeff Swartz from Consolidated Credit. So, Jeff... Can you give us some examples um, as to what's appropriate to talk to uh, about, say, with a five-year-old and and for a ten-year-old, and then, you know, as they get older, what are appropriate conversations for us to be having? Well, we started with this a little bit before the break, um, but let's kind of go through the gambit as it relates to five, ten, and and perhaps a fifteen-year-old. with respect to a five-year-old, again, they're just learning about these things. So they may be coming to us and sitting in the the shopping cart uh, in in the grocery stores. But ultimately, um, their biggest thing is, well, what is money? What are the denominations? Mm. What what is this? I mean, we don't have the penny anymore, but what is a loony? Right. What is a toonie? What is a quarter? What is it? All that sort of thing. And and, and they're curious with that. And obviously, we we might want to start with play money, but I think we should graduate to real monies from the standpoint that it's important that they understand what each denomination is and, and one's worth more than another. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, is how is it used? And I guess we, we are getting away from some of this um, and in, in getting away from some of it by using the plastic, uh, that becomes a bit of a, a mystery to them. So we want to make sure that they understand how money is used. So even if it's as small as perhaps going to uh, an ice cream store or something like that where we would use cash versus potentially a mm-hmm. grocery store or when the bills are higher where we wouldn't use cash, it's important for them to understand that cash is, uh, using cash, it, it, and we talked about this earlier, is is a physical aspect to it. So we're actually taking money out of our pocket and it's, it's no longer ours and we're giving it to somebody else for the purchase of a product or service. And mm-hmm. that gives them the idea of the concept of money. Right. The other thing that I would suggest is that, that we want to talk to them about different values as well. So, I mean, here, here's a terrible example, but in terms of what does a car cost versus a loaf of bread? So you, you want to try and give them the mm-hmm. idea that one has potentially more value than another thing. And in doing so, that's kind of going to set the stage for what might be available to them and what, what they might have on an immediate basis and what might be available to them through savings and over a longer term. Okay. Now, as as we kind of move from the 5 to the 10-year-old, you may want to introduce things about banks. Why don't you just oh, keep yeah. your money in, in a piggy bank? Because that's typically what they're doing. And uh, we might want to introduce the concept of banks. Uh, but before we get there, one of the things that I did in my house, which I, I found, uh, and I think you, you'll see from my, my bio, that one of the things that's really strong in my family is is giving back to community. Um, so what we do with the children, as soon as we start giving them an allowance or as soon as they have a money available to them, whether it's through birthday gifts or holiday gifts or anything like that from grandparents or parents, is we want to introduce the concept that we use money for different things. 
And Mm -hmm. in our house, one of those is giving back to the community. So we actually kind of use the three piggy bank rule. And very early on, we introduced them by giving them three actual piggy banks. And one of them was for charity. One of them was Mm -hmm. for savings. So we're we started to introduce the idea around savings, and one mm-hmm. of them was free spending. Uh, they could use that money for, for whatever they wanted. And mm-hmm. the ironic thing here is that the spending, uh, the free spending was the hardest on the parents as opposed to the, uh, the child. The child knew exactly what that money was for. If I wanted a Barbie or if I wanted another car or something along that lines, I knew that I had the money to spend on it. But if we as parents didn't approve of what they were spending their money on, we had to back away because that's part of the lesson for them is that they have the money that they can make their own independent choices as it relates to their free spending money. Or we'd have to call it something else, wouldn't we? (laughs) Well, we would. It would be parents guiding children on what to do with their free money and take that decision (laughs) away from them. (laughs) Right. And uh, and, and often I I remember my son in particular, whenever we would go to these public places, there would always be the 25-cent – the 25 cent uh things that that they would see in the uh, jars that they, oh I want that toy oh, and, yeah. and we know yeah. that that toy was going to be broken and and cast aside um yeah before before we left the place <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. we knew that that was a waste but it's their decision and it's their time to live and learn mhm um, and sometimes they're very happy well, with those things too <laughs> we have to accept them though because it's part of the learning yeah. process and i and i know that's one of my biggest challenges um then i was as we 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 moved to kind of the time where they're they're 10 years old and 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 this was around the time uh, one quick story with my daughter um we we started giving her allowance and she had saved some money up along with some birthday money and things like that and we wanted to introduce the idea of sacrifice and savings and needs versus wants and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing with with her, the money that she had to spend. And, you know, we're in the age of electronics with these teenagers, and it's it's always the latest and greatest, and it's something that perhaps their friends have and they want too. And it was at the time it was an iPod um, or a, something along those lines. It was right. something to do with uh, listening to music and and it was expensive. Uh, it wasn't something that was inexpensive, and that they couldn't just actually go out and buy without help or without saving for. And she was determined, and, and she did save for it, and it took her probably five or six months to do so. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, it was amazing that her, her uh, determination didn't vary. She really wanted that item. Because often is the case is if that we give someone the option to buy whatever they want and they have to commit to paying for it, sometimes mm-hmm. that decision changes. <laughs> but in her right. case, it didn't change. And to this day, which is probably five years ago, she still has that same item and it, and it remains in pristine condition. Wow. So it was a great lesson for her that it took her probably, I think it was like five or six months to save up uh, the money necessary to buy it. She went out and bought it, and she felt absolutely fantastic about it, and she kept it in great condition. So as we we get on in age, those are the types of things that we want to start introducing. The other Mm -hmm. things which are a little bit more challenging but affect our everyday lives, and we want to start introducing these things are things like interest, so that mm-hmm. if you interest along with loans and along with taxes. 
taxes is probably a little easier to to uh to introduce because well when they go to the grocery store, if you pay pay a certain amount for something and then they add tax on top of that, well, then then we get to show exactly how there's an additional cost just outside of what you're actually buying, and right. and that and that goes to fund for the public services like school and things like that and picking up the garbage, et cetera. Uh, that's a little bit easier, but when it comes to interest and loans, that takes a little bit more time, and we want to try and introduce those things in a way that they can understand. Um, so it could be something that you do on a larger purchase, so whether it's a car or whether it's a house, that you actually don't have all the cash on hand, but someone's willing to look at you and say, okay, well, you're a good enough risk because you're working and, and there's, there's value in what we're loaning money on that potentially we'll loan you the money, but there's a cost for loaning that money. It's a service so that you have to pay for that money, and that's where the interest comes in. But these are good things to kind of build a platform on for the next stage, which is, which is things like credits and credit cards and all that sort of stuff. Mhm. Mm mhm. And I and I would say for a lot of people that discussion comes a lot later in their life. Well, and, and sometimes it's never come. Um right. I, I mean yeah. like the beauty the beauty of Canada is that we're in a position where we have a lot of immigrants come in. And uh, in, depending on where they're from, they may not have had any exposure whatsoever as it relates to credit. And this may be coming later in their life. And as a result, um, they may have already been privy to a credit card offer and found themselves into debt. And mm -hmm. by doing so, um, they put themselves behind the eight ball not really knowing what they got into. And uh, we, we've got to be cognizant of that. So you're right. This needs to start early. It needs to be understood and delivered in a way so that people don't put themselves into the level of debt that they are. And the other lesson is, well, what's good bet, debt versus bad debt? And we can get into that later, but that's something mm -hmm. that we want to start talking to our children about early on. Yes. So as we, um, as we move into the – go ahead. Yes, and then I was going to say, you know, with the teenagers now, what what are um, they should be easier to communicate with, but I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> so what well, can you tell us about teenagers? Well, and I think you, you you've kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of it can be a challenge to communicate with them. There's no question about it. Um, especially as they become part of this information age or more so not just the information age, but potentially uh, they're, they're influenced by people other than their parents. And unless they've had kind of the, the background that we've tried to develop all along the way, they may not be able to answer these questions. And and it, it's as much as about being exposed to the media, it's to be exposed to what their friends are doing. And it's so important for us to have built that foundation early on around saving, around charity, around money that is discretionary. And mm -hmm. the last thing that we talked about was needs versus wants, because as they go into their teens, uh, if they're only inundated with marketing messages – then that becomes an issue because then that's what's driving their decisions. We have to have more than just the marketing, the marketers driving their financial decisions. So it's things like investing. 
Um, why would we bother to invest? What's the benefit of investing? And what's the short-term benefit? What's the long-term benefit? And understand how that would work and how you can actually put your money to work for you while you're at school or doing something else. Um, what are the real-life costs in your life? Uh, you're, you're getting your teens, and all of a sudden, potentially, you're going to be driving, and that means insurance costs. And and if, if you're going to be doing that, you may have to participate in, in the expense of that. And, well, where are you going to get that money? Which leads to mm-hmm. potentially a part-time job and, right. and moving in to start contributing towards it. And then you start making decisions around, okay, well, what do I really need and what do I really want and what sacrifices am I going to have to make if I really want those wants? And, and, and that's still something that I want to go in that direction for. Um and at this time, and probably earlier, you may have had the conversation with, with your child about post-secondary education and the mm-hmm. costs associated with post-secondary. I mean, we're not talking $5,000 anymore. I mean, by the time we're talking about, uh, we're talking about um, uh, post-secondary education over the, the course of how long you go, I mean, you're into probably $100,000 as opposed to $5,000. And where's that money going to come from over the next three to four years? Is that something right. that you're going to loan or is that something that you have available to you? And it's, it's, it's time to think about that because that's going to help set you up for the next 20 years of your life. Right. Yeah. It yeah. it occurred to me as as you're talking about all these things too, you know, life has become very complicated. And so there is a need to learn and to um you know, to begin to talk about these things because there there is so much involved in our lives um on a daily basis as well. It's time for us to go to a break again, Jeff, when we come back, I'd love to talk about allowances. Let's do that. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. My guest today is Jeff Swartz from Consolidated Credit, and the topic is how to talk about money with our kids. Uh, so now we want to talk about allowances. Um, Jeff, are they something that should be guaranteed? Should we it be based on a child's behavior, or should they have chores to do? Um, should it be guaranteed to them? What um, What are your thoughts on allowances? 
Well, and it's funny, uh, allowances are a huge topic and, and one that's tremendously important. And, and truthfully, I, I'm sure you cover this in your practice all the time, but in a different way. And all those questions are fantastic in determining how we should be doling out the allowances. And I'm of the opinion that, you know, yes, we should be giving our children allowance. But what's the purpose of it? We have to ask ourselves, why are we giving it to them in the first place? And what do we want them to achieve by receiving that allowance? Is it, are we teaching them work ethic? Are we teaching them how to manage money? Uh, all those things, are we teaching them responsibility? Are we teaching them planning? All that sort of thing is so important as it rela- that, that can be uh, received from giving an allowance. I mean, those are fantastic lessons, and we need to make sure that we're implementing as much of those things uh, with the concept of allowance. My personal opinion is, yeah, it should be guaranteed. I think that they should know that they are getting this money, but we need to understand why we're giving it to them. Do we want to mm-hmm. instill some sort of work, work, work ethic, and, and should it be based on chores? So if they don't do the chores, should they not get the money? I'm kind of on the other side of the fence of that and say, yeah, we should be giving them the money anyways and we should be talking about work ethic and how important it is. But because allowance in many cases is a small nominal amount, that we should be providing that money to them more leaning towards teaching them on financial management, how to manage their personal finances, how to determine what's a need versus a want, how to do savings, how to give back to the community, all those sort of things with that allowance so that they're learning a lot of the foundation that we really want them to as it relates to personal finance and money management. Mm -hmm. The opportunity is so huge in doing this that I don't want, or me personally, we wouldn't want someone to be clouded by the fact that it's, it's, it's a penalty if, if they don't do something because work ethic is something that's going to come from some of these other lessons, but at the same time, I really want to try and still uh, behavior around money management from an early age so that we can provide those building blocks so when they get distracted by all the messages out there that they won't stray from something that they've been taught for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Um yeah, because if the child never receives the money, then they miss that whole um all of that learning around saving and what you're saying is we could miss out on that if we if it ends up that they're not getting it. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 hugely important that and we're seeing the benefit, we're seeing the effects of it now that if people aren't learning how to properly manage their money from an, from a young age they end up in situations that can be very challenging for them to get out of and mm-hmm. i mean i was just listening to a report this morning that talked about how difficult it is for university graduates to get jobs to get jobs wow. period and to get jobs in their field so mm-hmm. if they think that post-secondary education is the ticket to their success and and they've they've graduated with twenty thirty thousand dollars with student debt and they're going to have no problem paying it off because they're going to land this fantastic job and don't get me wrong that may happen in some cases but it certainly doesn't happen in all the cases so if they don't have the means or the wherewithal to manage their money once it becomes really important then we've kind of failed them in that way that we didn't we didn't provide the opportunity for them to learn more about how to manage their money going through school so that they can handle issues like debt once they've graduated mm-hmm. from school. 
Yeah, and and certainly that's a very critical time when someone has graduated. You know, if they have that debt, it's right at the same time where you know they want their own place to live and they want to buy a car and and all of those other things become things that that they want to be doing and and the debt is there as well. So um, managing things correctly at that point in time is quite critical. Yeah, and can you imagine if you're if you're doing that on that 25 cent toy that we got out of the machine at the store and you made a mistake back then rather than doing it when mm. you're 21, 22, 20, the mistakes are a lot larger at that point and they're they're much more difficult to overcome. So allowance or providing allowance allows for those mistakes to happen and that's where the learning takes place. Right. Um, savings, the, well, do I do I buy something that, costs a little more but is probably going to last me longer versus buying something that's on sale that I may never use. So there's all sorts of different things that they will become accustomed to making those decisions around if we if we give them that allowance and give them that freedom to learn at a very young age so that when it comes to making these big decisions, they're, they're much more equipped, they're much better equipped to, to handle those types of decisions. Yeah, and that, that does that... Um that example does provide some clarity to us about the importance of that um, of that learning. So, what's the most important advice you can give to young adults around debt? Well, it's not free money. Um, mm-hmm. You're required to pay it back, and you're responsible. It's not necessarily your parents' obligation even though I, I know many parents, especially it relates to post-secondary education, they may sign on these student lines of credit and right. they may be the guarantor for their kids. But ultimately, this should be a huge lesson for them as they go out into the working world that they're responsible for paying that back that money. They, they, they can't live under their parents' uh, shadows for the rest of their life, or they shouldn't be because it's not really helping them learn how to manage their money. Um, and I think as, as parents, we, we will want to institute that so that they can become independent contributing citizens to our community uh, by understanding that they have responsibilities as well, especially as their obligations c- creep up. Mm-hmm. And that type of accountability is so important because it happens in, in every aspect of our life. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I take that trip that I really feel that I deserve, but I can't afford it and I'm going to go heavy into debt? Um, or do I wait till I've saved up enough money to take that trip uh, and then it feels even better because I've done that on my own without going further into debt? Um, mm-hmm. Understanding things like, well, what is good debt versus bad debt? And okay. do I really want to go and buy the latest and greatest electronic device if it's going to put me in debt? Or do I want to take an extra course that can really help me get a job once I'm finished? So are we using debt to improve ourselves or are we using debt just to satisfy our immediate needs? And okay. that becomes a challenge if you haven't made those decisions before. Right, right. Um Okay, so talk a bit more about the good debt and bad debt. You've, you've mentioned that a couple of times. Um, a few more examples of good debt and bad debt for us. Well, I, I think I want to. I want to. We're role models, 
we're role models to our children, and they see how we're dealing with spending and, and what we're buying. And if we're not necessarily good role models, they're going to carry some of that into their own lives. And we've already talked about that. But that also comes to what we spend on and how we spend. And mm-hmm. if we're buying things that have short life cycles that are not are, are depreciating assets or, or going down in value as soon as we buy them versus struggling to pay for education or, or, or a house or investing in a house, this is the type of debt that potentially, or investing for that matter too, this is the type of debt that is good debt. This is going to improve our lifestyle and potentially earn, uh, improve our or earning capacity. So things that are, are, are going to help us improve and to get us further ahead, those are the things that I look at as being good debt. Bad debt is things that, that potentially are depreciable, that um, are we're still going to be paying for long after the value has, has, has gone by and really are based on wants as opposed to to needs. And if the needs start to suffer as a result of the purchases for the wants, that's really something that we need to look at. Mhm. Mhm. So, what are some of the the biggest dangers uh for a young person starting out? Uh, well, some of the the biggest dangers that that we we look at are 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 how have they ended up once they've graduated school? Uh, and, and I think I want to use that as the launching off point. Um, potentially, people have gone through their – well, I, I, let's even take it a step back further. Let's let's go to before they get into post-secondary education and how are they viewing how they're going to pay for that. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things we talk about is – you know, this is once you get that student loan check or for the month or for the year, or what, however you receive it. Um, this is not a lottery winning. This is money that potentially that you are going to have to pay back. And right. do you really need to use everything that was given to you? And are you using it in in a, in a positive way as opposed to that next greatest trip to over spring break to Mexico? Mm. Um, this type of attitude is going to help you determine how much debt you have at the end of, of your school career that you're carrying into your work life. So the first step is use it for what it's meant for. It's, it's meant for tuition. It's meant for books. It's meant for potentially keeping a roof over your head. Uh, but that's about it. It's not for the frivolous uh, purchases. And if you can take less of it, then you're going to be less behind the eight ball when, you, when you've graduated and potentially you get the great job that you want. But what if you don't and you're mm-hmm. carrying less debt because you've made wise decisions? So I think that's a huge risk for youth. Um, youth uh, coming out in, into the working world that they're, even if they get a great job, they could be saddled with this huge amount of debt. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I remember very early on, we had someone come to us who uh, was working for a utility company. They had, but, and they were, they're going to make a huge amount of money for this, work for this utility company, but they were saddled with fifty or $60,000 of the student debt. And, and they came and said, you know what? I, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. And, and I've got a great job. And I think the decision really needed to be made kind of four years earlier uh, on how they were going to spend their money through college so or university. So at that point, mm-hmm. I think we as parents need to teach our kids that this is a good opportunity for you to live lean, 
You don't have a lot of obligations at this point. It, it's a great time for you to try not to use all that money so you're in better shape having graduated. Yes. So what came to mind was wise choices, um, planning um, and thinking ahead a bit to, um, you know, to the uh, thinking ahead, looking at the position you're going to be in and not just thinking about uh, only today. Uh, it's time for us to go for another break, and um, and we'll chat a bit further about this topic when we get back. Great. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Jeff, we've been talking about dangers that are there for uh, a young person starting out in their life, and um, I, I think you've likely got some further comments on that. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that we alluded to just prior to the break was we don't know what's going to happen after they graduate from post-secondary education. Um, and, and what I mean by that is there's all sorts of different factors that could have an impact on their financial future. One of the ones that we talked about already is, well, what kind of job are they going to get? Are they going to get it in the field of choice or the field that they studied for? And that would be the ideal situation. But are they going to be forced into a position where they've got to accept any work just to keep their head above water, to pay their bills, to keep a roof over their head? What's the job market going to be like when they graduate in their chosen field? And if they can't get that job, maybe their 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 only option is to take a part-time job just to cover their bills. So if they've accumulated all this debt during school or other expenses um, and they haven't planned properly, then they could be in a, a, a bad situation once they've come out to work and one in that they're starting their working career off in not such a great position. And, and we want to mitigate mm-hmm. that as best we possibly can. The other side of that takes it a, a step further is, well, what's going to happen in the economy? I mean, we're coming off a fantastic time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know there was a kind of recessionary times, kind of 2008, 2009, but you know what? On the whole, Canada survived pretty well, and we got back up on our feet pretty quickly. But we've been in a positive cycle for a long time as it relates to the housing market, and who knows when that's going to end or if that's going to end. And we're in a we're in a unbelievably 
low interest climate where it's it's easy for mm-hmm. people to manage their debts. Uh, but right. I, I remember when my parents were going through it in the 70s, and that wasn't the case. They were in the, the mid to high teens, and how do you manage that? So when people come out into the working world four years from now, or even if they're 10 years out from coming into the working world, who knows what the economy is going to show. So you want to be setting yourself up ahead of time so that that doesn't become a mi- as much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and There's also reports, and I, and I hate this stat, but it's so true, and it's reflective of what I've just said, is that somewhere in the neighborhood, and it's, it's give or take a few percent, uh, 50% of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. That's high. Yeah, yeah and that that's means huge. if you lose one paycheck, yeah. you're in yeah, trouble. That's huge. Yeah. Um while we're talking about dangers and, and I have you um and I have you on the show, really would love for you to comment on um say a young couple goes in to purchase some furniture and it's not gonna cost them anything for a year. What what should they be looking at at that um, in that situation? Well, I, I think in that situation, uh, these are great opportunities if you understand how you're going to pay for it at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the co- clients of Consolidated Credit potentially haven't planned for that when they've come to see us. They recognize that they bought something 18 months ago. And let's use a sofa as an example. And they're sitting on all three seats of the sofa. And now all of a sudden, it comes time to pay for it. So they have a choice. They've got to continue paying finance charges on that somewhere to the tune of 25 or 30 Mm percent. Or they're forced with a balloon payment of X thousand dollars for what they've bought. And truthfully, neither of them is an option because they live so close to the bone that they, they, they're not able to afford either of those options, and it's put them to the point where they need some sort of intervention. Um, so in, to answer your question, you really want to be thinking ahead to say, listen, I should be putting money aside each and every month. Just because I'm not paying for it now, I should still be putting money aside, recognizing that in a year or 18 months when the payments are due, that I've got enough saved up to pay for it. And you know what? That money's working for you, whether it's in an investment or in a savings account that's earning money. I mean, it's working for you, but you need to treat it that just because you don't, you're not required to make the payments doesn't mean that you shouldn't be planning for the payments. So it's things like that that, yes, it's an opportunity, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have to pay at one point. And it goes back to the thing that I said before is that the money's not free. Uh, it has to be paid back, and mm-hmm. we need to plan for that. Um, just a quick description of, of payday loans in case we have a young person on that, you know, is not aware of what those are. Um, another danger. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, again, this is, this is something where the marketers have done an excellent job of saying, listen, we can get you money in a matter of minutes and uh, don't worry about it. If you're a good credit risk and you've got a bank account, um, we can get you the money. No worries. But there's a cost associated with that. I think the latest numbers that I've seen are something like $20 for $300 and it's got to be paid back in 
in two weeks. And if you do the math, and I can do the math, that's an awful lot of interest rather than us going to a bank and spending a little more time to try and get a loan at 5 6 or 7% over the course of the year in comparison to what a payday loan, once you finish off the fees, will charge you. And again, going back to the right at the beginning, maybe if you're that strapped for cash, that might be a time to talk to your friends or family about helping you out in the short term. Because once mm-hmm. you get into the payday loan cycle, it can be really challenging to get out. Right. And there right. are so many of them popping up everywhere that it's important that you understand that yeah. there's huge costs associated with it. There's more effective and efficient ways to borrow money than, than going and, to and the high-cost And it's rate. probably something we could do a whole show on, and we, <laughs> we don't have a lot of time for it. Now, Jeff, tell us, what services do you offer people um, at Consolidated Credit? A lot of what we're talking about today, we're we're helping Canadians deal with their personal finance, uh, and we do that through education and debt management and intervention so that those people that are looking for information, I mean, I look at it on, on a spectrum. So either someone who's looking for education so that it's more preventative so they don't get into trouble or they're looking for opportunities to better manage their finances around education versus someone who is really struggling and the collectors are calling. We try and help people deal with those issues, and especially in the case of when they're in debt and one of their goals is to retire that debt, we want to try and find the best opportunity for them to do that and to do it as quickly as possible so they can clear the slate and get it back on, get on with their mm-hmm. lives as opposed to all the stress associated with carrying the debt. That's and great. we do and that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Just... Um, Add in how through, we can, yeah, through our website. Yeah, all our all our information is 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 readily available 24/7, and it's free. You can get obtain all this free information on our website at consolidatedcredit.ca. Or if you'd like to speak to a counselor, that's one of the things. There's no wait times. I mean, our counselors are available to be spoken with. Uh, there's no appointments absolutely necessary. Call us at one eight hundred six five six. 4079 and you'll speak to a counselor and and the idea is in the initial conversation let's get an understanding of the situation you're in and what you're looking for so whether or not we can help you right then we can look at doing it at a later time or we can refer you to a service that's going to best help you out. That's wonderful. Thanks Jeff for giving all these ideas to to keep us talking to our kids about money. Uh, It's been very valuable. Thanks so much. Oh you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Uh, So at this time, I'd like to remind you to tune in next week. Our guest will be Marion Good from MEDA, that's Mennonite Economic Development Association. The mission of MEDA is to create business solutions to poverty. Lots of exciting international projects going on there. Uh, Thanks so much. This is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and the community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.